The following audio content is a talk given at the Inn, a college ministry of University Presbyterian Church in Seattle, Washington. For more information, please visit our website, theinnseattle.org. We invite you to join us each Tuesday at 9 p.m. on the corner of 16th and 47th in Seattle's U District. Tonight, we are excited to have you. It might feel a little different to you, that's okay. If you don't know what to do, if you walk through this door, it feels like other people know what they're doing and you don't, that's totally fine. Everybody else is faking it. I promise, they're the same as you. If you don't know me, my name is Mike. Uh, I get the chance to work here uh, with UPC and the Inn. It's a great opportunity. I want to share a little bit more about me tonight uh, and then we're gonna talk a lot about you because y'all are some messed up people. (laughs) That's a good starter, ain't it? I brought my wife up here last week, uh, and, uh, and that was really cool. Um, thank you guys for loving her as well as you love me. I want to introduce you guys to the rest of my family. They're not all here, but my family is very important to me. I talked about them a little bit uh, last week. So this was us, okay? This is my close family. This is us in Spain this summer. Pretty cool opportunity. Um, on the left, okay, you got my sister Megan. She's cool. Uh, she lives in Seattle. My mom is right next to her. Um, and then next to me in the back, I'm the really good looking one in the back, if you can't tell. Uh, my brother, Patrick, a couple years older than me. I am the second of four kids. He's the oldest. My sister, Megan, is the youngest. Okay, right in front of him in the blue shirt is my sister-in-law, Adelaide, married my brother. My dad, Tim, who was here last week, uh, is in the back middle. And then my new brother-in-law, uh, back, I guess, our right, named Jared, just married into the family this spring. Pretty exciting. Got a new brother-in-law. My wife on the side. My uh, middle sister, Molly, in the dress in the center. And then I have two nephews and a niece, okay? My two nephews on the side, Pepe, Pablo, and then Leo down here in the pink. And we got a chance to spend a couple weeks together in Spain. They are pretty cool family of mine. I'm very, very fortunate to have them. A lot of them uh, will come and visit at times. So when you see them and you can tell because we don't react very well to the sun, our family. Okay. Vacation is kind of funny. We're the family that wears like 75 sunscreen the whole time. Um, But that's my family. They're really cool. And uh, I hope you get the chance to get to know them a little bit. Uh, before we jump into a few things, I do want to let you know, if, you are, if you're just coming into this building, we are, we kind of function as our own thing, the in here, but also we are part of a bigger church here called University Presbyterian Church. Um, and if you ever want somebody somewhere to come worship on Sunday, uh, we have four services on Sunday downstairs. And we want you to come join us at any one of those. We start at 8.30 in the morning. If that's you, if that's not you, that's totally fine. Most of our college students show up at the 10 a.m. or the 5 p.m., uh, we also have an 11.45 on Sundays. But if you want to come check it out, this Sunday is actually a great Sunday. You'll see some familiar faces. Uh, you'll see me. You'll see our music team is, is playing uh, in the services on Sunday, as well as you'll see some of our interns and, and, and student leaders involved uh, down there. So come join us on a Sunday. But let me get into the real reason why we're here tonight. You might have had an awkward moment. Last week, I thought maybe, maybe I, come, I came off like I have everything all together all the time. And so I'm going to tell you my most awkward moment. But here's the thing. I'm just going to warn you. It's kind of inappropriate. It's it's like rated R, okay? So this is your warning. You have 30 seconds. If you are not down with that, feel free to leave. Act like you're going to the bathroom. Get some water if that's not with you. But I'm just going to assume you're in college now so you can handle it. Is that cool? Also, my boss happens to be in the back. So if this is my last day of work, then... 
if, if I'm fired, you'll see someone new up here next week. Here we go. Part of the, one of the cool things about this job is that you get asked to do a lot of weddings. Okay, a lot of students decide, oh, I'm in love. I want to get married. It's going to be awesome. Mike, would you help out with our wedding? And so about uh, six years ago, I was asked to do my very first wedding. Two students right here at UW were graduating and getting married one week after graduation. And I had been to a lot of weddings. I had seen a lot of weddings in movies. And I was so excited to perform my first wedding. So I'm like, oh, this is going to be great. I'm practicing. I'm asking people what they do when they lead a wedding. And, and I meet with the bride and groom. And, and I'm all excited to, to perform their wedding. And, and we get to the, you know, the banquet hall, the wedding is at. And everybody is all set. And it's all people right out of college, kind of like you. So they're all nervous. It's like their first wedding. Everybody is, is really nervous. And, and I get up front and all the bridesmaids and groomsmen come down. And I'm ready to start the wedding. Uh, and all of a sudden the music changes. The bride comes down. Everybody stands. Bride and her husband are, or sorry, bride and her father are walking down the aisle. And I realize I'm missing a page in my notes. I'm just going to kind of read this because I don't know what I'm doing at the time. And I'm missing a page and I have no idea how to start the wedding. And I'm like, uh, and I'm trying to think in my head, what did people say? What's the wedding I've been to? What's the very first thing I should say when the bride stops in front of me with her father, the groom's about to go get her and the music stops playing. And so I'm freaking out in my head and I'm like, I need an intro line. I need an intro line. Okay, here we go. Uh, Oh, it's my pleasure to welcome everybody here tonight. Oh, that seems great. I'm about to go and I decide, no, no, I'm going to switch it. I'd like to welcome everybody. I'd like to welcome everybody. That's what I'm going to go with. Okay. Music stops. Bride stops, and I say, I'd like to pleasure you. (laughs) Hold on, you're going to get it. I'm not joking. My wife is back there. She was sitting in the audience. She was laughing hysterically. Okay, so you have about half the room that at this point is just... Dying laughing, all my friends and people older, they're in the back. And then you have these people up front. I'm telling you, it's okay to get up and walk out now. We cut the tape. Uh, I wanted to die. But I could not die. I had to perform the rest of the wedding. The most awkward, what is going to be like 30 minutes then became four minutes as I'm rifling through. Man, it was awful. But the funny thing was the bride and her father and the family did not even notice because they were so uh, worried about themselves in that moment. But I'm just going to say that was my very first wedding. Somehow somebody asked me to do another wedding. I'm not sure. But when you do something for the first time, sometimes it can be a little awkward. You don't know what you're doing. If you walked through these doors tonight, it was a little bit awkward. You don't know what you're doing. You don't feel like you fit into a place where people are talking about Jesus a lot. That's okay. That's okay. You spilled tacos, guac all over yourself tonight. That's fine too. Stick around. It'll get better, I promise. All right, now I feel approachable. You can talk to me afterward. Come and tell me your most awkward moment because I feel very lonely right now and the light's shining on me so I can't see your faces. Okay, um, here's what we're going to talk about tonight. I love this place. I'm excited to be in this role. I'm excited to be, get the chance to be with college students. But 
if you're like me, you wrestle with this idea. Okay, you wrestle with this idea that, that we talk about Jesus and we do here at the end, we believe that fullness is found in Jesus. Full, real, new life is found in him. But yet we wrestle with this idea that it does not always feel like that. It does not feel like life abundant. That sometimes in college we feel lonely. We feel broken. We're aware of our brokenness. In fact, one of the things I wrestle with, to be very honest, is as a person up here, as a pastor that shares about Jesus, I feel very inadequate to be here. I think somebody in this role shouldn't struggle like I struggle. Somebody in this role should always make the right choice. They should never doubt God's presence. They should never doubt God's power. They shouldn't struggle on, God, what are you doing here? And yet I wrestle. I struggle. I see things like Sunday night in Vegas. And I go, how, how could a good God allow this to happen? And I see hatred in our world. And I see people that call themselves Christians and followers of Jesus that use this book to hurt and oppress other people that hate other people. And I feel brokenness out there and I feel brokenness in here. And I know why is it that I struggle so much? People have used this book at times in our country's history to affirm slavery. Saying that this is a a reason that there's something God says in here that should keep slavery around. Now I don't want to live in that world anymore. And we do live in a place where there's some, some passive racism at times, which might be even worse that we need to be aware of in our world. But at least we don't live in a world right now that uses the Bible uh, to oppress people in that way. But, but people do, we wrestle with this idea that people that call themselves Christians still have so much hate in this world. Why would I want something to do with that? That feels crazy to me at times. I'm sorry for the rant. I don't mean to go off on that. I just, I want you to know if you feel that way, you sometimes go, God, how could you let this happen? God, how could you let certain things happen to me? That's okay. You're in good company. This is a place to wrestle. You don't have to have everything figured out. You don't have to believe everything perfectly. Trusting in Jesus, believing in Jesus is a hard thing to do. Don't let anyone ever tell you it's an easy thing to do. But no matter who you are, no matter what you're experiencing, We want you to know that this is a place you can call home. We want you to be known as you walk in the door. Don't leave here tonight without getting to know somebody new. Come get involved a little bit. It's a great way to break down some of these walls. I too many tacos ahead of time. Now I'm just, I'm struggling. All right, last week we started this series. Okay, Um, and we, we dove in last week. We're calling I Am. Okay, and, and what we're looking at is these seven I am statements. For those who like to geek out on this a little bit, in the book of John, there are seven I am statements. Okay, and we're going to look at six of those in the first six weeks of the, this quarter and see what is it that, that Jesus says about himself. And why this is so important, okay, is because Jesus says certain things about himself that, that are promises that he makes. And yet sometimes people have taken other things and made promises for Jesus that he never makes. We want to be very real about who he says he is. And I hope that through that, you get to know Jesus a little bit more in this time. Because my biggest concern is that we would come here, that we would, as we see Jesus, as we see the miracles he does, as we see the power that he has, as we see the things that he can do for us, that we will fall in love with what Jesus can do for us. And we will miss out on knowing his heart. 
who he really is. And when that gift goes away, when he's not doing the things for us that we want him to do, it's really, really easy for us to walk away when we don't know the very essence of who Jesus is. And so tonight we're gonna continue on in the book of John. And, and John is this really cool book, okay? John is not a wide lens. It doesn't encapsulate every single thing that's recorded in the other gospels, but it is, it is John zooming in for us. He wants us to taste and to see and to feel Jesus on a very, very personal level. And that's my hope for us tonight, that we would see the same thing as we open John together. All right, so we're gonna get into John chapter six. Okay, and for those that wanna know, the I am statement made by Jesus that we're gonna talk about tonight is about 45 verses long. Okay, we're not gonna read all that, but if that's something you're interested in, either reading on your own or afterward, it's from about verse, um, what do we start with? Verse 25 to about verse 70, okay, in chapter six. And um, we're just gonna paraphrase some of this a little bit. Now, if you don't know, chapter six, okay, great chapter in the book of John. A lot happens. You may have heard of the feeding of the 5,000. Okay, it opens with this feeding where Jesus does this miracle and he feeds like 5,000 people all at once. And then Jesus takes off with some of his disciples and they get out on a boat and then go away. And he comes and he walks to them on water. Okay, both of these things happen in John 6. And right after that is where we pick it up tonight. Um, and it's this group of people that did not experience Jesus walking on water, but they did experience the miracle of him feeding 5,000 people. And they're all excited and they really, really want to find Jesus. Okay. And a lot happens here. So hang in there. Here we go. When they found him on the other side of the lake, remember, this is all the people that experienced this miracle of Jesus. They're excited to be around him. They find him and they said, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, very true, I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. He changes their motive a little bit. He calls them out. Now that's okay. I want you to know if you come to Jesus for reasons that may not be as pure and holy uh, um, that may be like these guys and just come for our own selfish good, that's okay. That's not a bad place to start. If you came into this place tonight because some cute girl invited you to be here and you can't wait for this to be over so you can start the conversation again with her, that is okay. That is why I first came to the inn. It is a valid reason to be here. But I think Jesus has something more. So I wanna grab your attention right here because Jesus goes on and he starts to give a little more. He says this, very true, I tell you, you're looking for me not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill because you experienced some personal gain from this. He says, do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the son of man will give you. For on him, God, that father, has placed his seal of approval. Then they asked him, all right then, all right then, what sign will you give us that we may see it and believe you. What will you do? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. This, this happened in the book of Exodus. Moses leads all these people out into the wilderness and God provides food every single day for them. And all the people knew this. And so they had seen tons and tons of miracles. They'd seen food provided for years and years and years in the history of their people. And Jesus just provides food for one day. And so that's their comparison here. But Jesus said to them, very truly, I tell you, it is not Moses 
who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, give us this bread. And we get into the statement that Jesus makes right here. He declares, I am the bread of life. He says, whoever comes to me will never go hungry and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. All right, I wanna break this down. Okay, I wanna look at it in three different ways tonight. Okay, well, the first thing I wanna do is I wanna look at the situation that they find themselves in. Okay, the second is I wanna look at the conversation that they're having. And the third is I wanna look at the expectation and why they get it wrong. First of all, the situation. Okay, Jesus has, has performed a miracle. He's fed all these people and they know it. They know it. They are so excited to make him king that they have crossed over this, this sea and they have found him and they are pumped to make Jesus their king. Like, if you are Jesus in this situation, is this not a fantastic moment? I mean, for me, I'm super excited. I'm thinking if I'm Jesus, I'm like, okay. This is great. I mean, what have I worked for? What have I been doing miracles for? Finally, you guys get it. Like you realize that I'm the man that I should be king. Okay, and if I'm one of his disciples, one of his very close people in this situation, I'm thinking, Jesus, capitalize on this moment right now. You have everybody's attention. 5,000 Instagram likes. I mean, more than you've ever had before. You have 138 comments right now about people that love the bread and they love the fish and they can't wait to make you king. And they're sitting here, mm, look what you made me do. Look what you made me do. They're super excited. This is a fantastic moment for them. Power is about to happen. And Jesus backs off that moment. I wouldn't. I'm a sucker for attention and a sucker for popularity. If it's me, when they ask to perform a miracle, yeah, 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 yeah. What do you guys want? What do you guys want? I got the whole crowd. Give miracle over here, miracle over here. Everybody, we got miracles. Come in, get your friends. We're gonna do miracles all night. Is that not the, the leadership strategy? You've gotten all these people that are excited about what you have to offer. And yet Jesus backs off. He gives them the truth. Because there's something different about Jesus than about me. He's not selling out for the moment. He knows all they want is a very, very temporary fix. Something right now. I want to feel it. I want to feel it right now. Give me something right now. More bread. Let's get powerful. Let's take back. We'll be king. We'll, take, we'll gain the power. He says, ah, oh, it's not going to be that easy. If I only give you what you want right now, you're going to keep needing that. You're always going to need something more and something more. I'm gonna give you something that's going to sustain you. And that's where we get into this conversation, okay? This conversation where he says, I am the bread of life. I'm the bread of life. Those that come to me will never go hungry. Okay, what does the bread of life in this situation mean? It's a normal everyday element. It's not the super exciting. It's not prime rib, lobster, guac on my chipotle burrito when I have two extra dollars. It's not the, the exciting thing every single moment. He takes bread, an everyday element, something that sustains, something that provides life, 
something that they knew every single day. They're probably eating bread. It's not as flashy. Jesus come, didn't come to be flashy and to give them everything they want all the time. He came to bring them life and to sustain that life the same way he comes to bring us life and bring sustainable life. There's a thing about bread though. Like with any food, it's nice to look at. It's nice to be around, but it doesn't do a lot for us unless it's consumed. It doesn't do a lot for us unless it becomes personal. We can watch bread all we want, it can sit on a table next to us. It doesn't mean it's going to have any impact on us. In the same way, Jesus says, hey, I, I'm going to do something. I, I, there's opportunity for the full experience of my power and my presence in your life. And if you watch it from a distance, if it only sits next door to you, you may get a little bit of that vibe, but you're not going to experience the spiritual substance that's going to fill you and sustain you as those that consume me, those that it becomes personal to them. They're the ones that are going to experience this. Do we know Jesus? Or is he just an idea? Is he just something that we like to argue about? Try to prove? Super easy. There's times where I just want to, I want to sit and I want to argue. Why would God do the things he, he, he did? Why did churches have so many arguments? Why do churches split because we can't agree on the same things? Why is this book so hard to understand? Why do bad things happen? There's a lot that we don't understand. It's easy to argue. Is that where we find ourselves or do we actually know Jesus on a personal level? I want to take us into this final piece of this text and that's the expectation. Some people did not have the right expectation. Show the, uh, show the next piece of text after this, okay? So after Jesus says this, okay, a bunch of verses happen in the middle here. Jesus tries to explain to them, look, I am the bread of life. I am, all that come to me, all that come to me are gonna experience life. And if you, if you, if you eat my flesh, if you drink my blood, you will never be hungry, you'll never be thirsty again. And these, all these people hanging out said, I don't really get this. This is too hard for me. And so a lot of them, it says this in 660, we'll read this text. On hearing it, many of the disciples said, this is a hard teaching, who can accept it? Then we skip a few verses and then it says this, from this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. You do not want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the 12. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Why did the people leave? He was not the king that they expected. He was not going to help them in the way that they wanted. They had a different expectation from the king that they got. And so they decided to leave. But a different group sticks around. Twelve stick around when everyone else leaves. What's the difference between these two? I want to try to uh, 
Try to explain it in this way. You guys may have noticed, if you are a, a football fan like myself, uh, this Sunday uh, was the first Sunday in October, okay? Which, uh, if you are, if you're watching the NFL at all, means Breast Cancer Awareness Month, okay? Uh, what you see is a lot of people wearing pink on the field. Now, this is actually from last year. Uh, Earl Thomas, great player. We could talk about that for a while. Um, from last year, the NFL actually made a statement this year that they, they don't want as much pink because a lot of the players, this is really cool, if you don't know this, a lot of the players want October also to be a social justice month. Okay, they don't want just the focus on breast cancer, although I think it's a really good focus, but they, they want to focus on social justice um, and, and some other things because of all the, the stuff that's happening in our world and, you know, especially, you know, controversies with NFL players right now, which I think is really cool. But when I turned on the TV on Sunday, all of a sudden I thought, hey, it's Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Oh, wait, no, it's not. They're not wearing pink like they normally are. Five years ago, I never would have noticed that. You know, I used to see people wearing pink. I didn't even know why. And it never meant anything to me. And I never would have turned on the TV on October 1st and not seen them wearing pink and actually noticed it. So what changed? You know, about three years ago, um, my, uh, my dad calls me and, and we're talking and uh, he, uh, he says, hey, um, my mom, and he refers to my grandma, okay, as his, uh, as his mom all the time, he calls her mom, and she's getting really old, and she's had some health problems, and she turned 90 this year, and uh, she was in the hospital for a little bit, uh, and she's gone back and forth on these health issues, okay? And so he calls me and says, hey, mom is in the hospital, um, and, uh, and he says, we, um, we brought her back, and we found out that she has cancer. And I kind of think, okay, um, how bad is it? Did you get a chance to see her? How's grandpa doing? And I'm thinking in my head, she's, she's kind of old anyway. And my dad, he goes, no, Michael, your mom has cancer. And I had this moment where I had, I couldn't even talk in the phone. Rachel sitting next to me. I couldn't even explain to her what had happened. It did not, I, I did not think that would be something that I experienced, even though a lot of people experience that. Breast cancer is not an uncommon thing. I've seen it happen to a lot of people. But all of a sudden, I could not speak. And I watched my mom go through four months of chemo, radiation, multiple surgeries, my mom, who's kind of a, a, a frail woman, she's, she's not super like athletic and, and stuff. It was really hard for her. In fact, we got to the end of, of the cancer and she had the first surgery and it, it didn't get everything. And they, they said she was gonna have to do another set of chemo. And then she said, I don't know if I can do it. I don't know if I can handle that much. And so they ended up doing a big surgery at the end, got a lot of it. That was about three years ago and said, We're, we think you're gonna be in really good shape. And right now my mom's doing awesome. And it's really cool. And it's been much better in our family. But when Sunday came, that's my mom in the middle. Um, there's a struggle for a while. But now when the TV comes on and guys aren't wearing pink, I notice. And, and I want to call the NFL and say, hey, guys, something went wrong. We're not wearing pink. And now when the Susan Komen Foundation calls my house, I'm like, how much money can I give? And now I, I go, can we please pray that we find a cure for this? 
Because it's no longer some abstract thought that's out there that other people experience somewhere else. It means something to me. It became personal. So many of us in college, things get hard. Other world looks appetizing at times. And it's super easy when we don't understand God or when he's just somebody that we want to help us get the thing that we want. It is so easy for us to walk away from him. Unless it becomes personal. If Jesus is just an idea, it's not really gonna mean that much. Jesus is not an idea though. Jesus is a person, one who deeply wants a relationship with each of us in this room. And if you're here and you're just exploring that, please keep exploring. Don't feel like you have to make a big commitment all at once. I would never ask you to to trust in, in somebody you don't even know. Keep exploring. Let this be a place that you can keep coming and asking questions. But my prayer, my prayer for you My prayer for all of us in this room is that we would not be like those people that walked away from Jesus as soon as it got confusing, but that we would know him on a personal level, that it would become something that meant something to us so that when that time came, when struggles come in college, because they will, when loneliness comes in college, because it will, when other things look better and opportunities and people look at you and say, are you gonna walk away too? That you would be somebody that goes, nah, where else am I gonna go? Jesus, my Jesus, has the words of eternal life. Let me pray for us. Lord, I pray that for those of us that don't know you, that have heard of you, that struggle with this concept of God, that struggle with the concept of one unique son of of God that, that paid the price for all of us and provides a way for a relationship with God. God, for those of us that struggle with that, there might be all of us in this room, Lord. I pray that you would help us not just learn a ton of things about you, not just sit in a room and argue about who you are, but know you. I pray that this would be a place where we also experience being known. Amen.